You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the Pacers for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today we are opening up the final week of our player season recaps, and it is so late in the in the offseason cycle to be finishing these, but I want to get them done, and we have three fun players left. We have the three guys who weren't on the Pacers for the full season, O'Shea Brissett, uh, Karis Levert, and Victor Oladipo left. O'Shea Brissett will be up today, and O'Shea is interesting because I kind of want to talk about his future with his non-guaranteed contract as well as... Something I was thinking about with O'Shea today that will impact the Pacers offseason and the draft. So that's more fun and offseason focused and how I've been kind of turning these more recently because the draft is in like nine days, which is crazy to think about. And we will have tons of draft content next week. Uh, and late into this week, we'll talk about previewing free agency at the center position. So yeah, lots of fun content coming up on Lockdown Pacers. But I like talking about the actual basketball. That's why I enjoy doing these player season recaps and O'Shea Brissett is a super fun one to do and for those of you parachuting in if this is your first time tuning into a Lockdown Pacers player season recap how we do it is we come up with one word to describe that player season and then kind of use it as a thesis uh, and then talk about their stats then take a break talk about their skills good and bad where they can grow and then springboard that into that growth into what their future is like either with the Pacers or in the league or in general and tie that in with the Pacers future and with O'Shea there's a lot of storylines that kind of fit in here right he joined the season super late uh, wasn't thought to be that much kind of a bit player 10-day guy just fitting in until they can find the right buyout guy right so my word for his season was timely because you know what I mean like like it's hard to explain why I chose timely but it was almost like he was a godsend for the Pacers right like O'Shea Brissett joined the Pacers uh, and his first appearances were like early May but he only played for four total minutes on his first 10 day and then he played for about 18 minutes uh, on his second 10-day, and then he had to sign that full deal, and he had some, remember, he had that good game against the Rockets and stuff, but right after he signed his full deal, like, all the Bjorkren stuff came out, and the team was playing kind of bad, they had a three-game losing streak, and then he comes back and signs that big deal, remember, he played 42 minutes uh, at center, and that went over OKC, and Sabonis, and Goga, and Turner, and Sampson were out, he played basically the full game, because they needed him to, and when the team looked like they were spiraling to a point of like potentially missing the play-in and having the most catastrophic season of all time, they have had not had power forward that was good on this roster since that young. O'Shea Brissett at the 11th hour surprises everybody and is a legit, good, almost starter level, if not he was at times, a starter level player for a good NBA team. It was one of the most timely signings I've ever seen. Like they called him midseason the one of the best late season signings ever, and that's legit. Like he he was that good that remember we were talking about what buyout guys they can sign when his ten day was over for a little bit, and then it became okay, they should just keep O'Shea because he was that good. And you know, the big thing for him statistically that allowed this this to happen is the threes. And I know we harp on this so much with O'Shea, but I always kept saying, you know, when the three ball stops falling, how good's he gonna be? When the three stops falling, when the three stops falling, that when I kept stressing, importantly, because, again, with the Mad Ants, he took a lot of threes, right? Which is generally a good sign that a guy's a decent shooter, that he takes a lot of threes, and he's a a, a pretty good free throw shooter. So he's likely a, a decent 
three-point shooter, but not an above 40% guy. But all season with the Pacers, he just kept burying them. And it wasn't like he had a hot start or anything. He did have a hot start, to be fair. But even in his last 10 appearances with the Pacers, he shot 40% across those last 10 games. In his first 11 appearances, he shot 44%, right? So it's not like he was up and down or he rode a hot streak or anything. He just made his threes. And Tom Hankins, if you'll recall, the Madden's head coach was on this podcast earlier this summer, which was really cool. I love the insights from him because, like I said, O'Shea took six and a half threes per game with the Madden's this season uh, in the gubble, the G League bubble. Uh, but they were all like off the dribble threes or like occasionally even coming around a pick or, you know, a tough movement three. Whereas with the Pacers, you know, Hankins said this correctly, his threes were just, just catch and shoot. You're standing still, catch the ball, shoot it. And that's the easiest threes. And I don't see why that will not be his role going forward. And that's why I potentially buy that he can be an above average accuracy guy. Maybe not, maybe just like an average level impact shooter, but I think he can have good accuracy enough that he can be a quality rotation player going forward. And that's the stat that turned him from a bit player into like, oh, wow, like this guy is good because, you know, even in the G League, I, I tweeted after I think their second game, right? They, they had Cassius Stanley, who's on a two-way. They had Jalen McHugh, who's on an NBA deal. They had Nazmi Trulong, who was on a two-day, two-way last year. They had Brima, who ended this season on a two-way. They had Brian Bowen, who was on a two-way. They had some NBA talent on that Madden's team. And to me, Bowen was, or Bowen, excuse me, Brissett was easily the best player. Like you'd watch the Madden's and it was obvious he was the best player on that team. So I always wondered if he can at a future. And then he just popped in the NBA, right? He, the shot fell, he got the scoring down. He came in uh, and played great defense. Like remember his first appearance uh, on his first 10 day even, uh, maybe it was his second appearance. That's right. His first appearance was garbage time. His first legit rotation appearance, he uh, blocked Carl or he, he thwarted Carl Anthony Towns right at the basket, got the rebound, right? That, that was a huge, uh, moment from him. They won that game in overtime. He had a, provided them a nice couple minutes in that game. And then he had that really good game against the Rockets where he scored 10 points, right? So he, O'Shea just proved everything he was good at in the G league. He could do in the NBA and then added a three, right? So his statistically just a phenomenal season, right? 11 points per game, super unexpected from him. And it came on dazzling, efficiency and that's why he was so valuable offensively 64 percent true shooting that's not going to hold next year if it's above league average though he'll still be good and then all his peripheral stats were just also great and that made him so good right super low turnover guy so he did a great job on low usage good on the glass good rebound percentages good shooting percentages great cutter great finisher right like every stat you'd expect a role player who is thriving on a new team to be good at O'Shea checked the box and Something's going to probably give next year, just given his history, right? Like he went undrafted. He was not that great statistically for the Raptors on a two-way for them. His rookie year, his G League stats were good, but not like this expected level good in the NBA. So what's it going to be, right? If he's still the same level defender he was last year, and I'm getting into his skills and future too early in the show, as always, I'm terrible at the structure of these player recaps, but I just get thoughts and start talking about them. I think that's more natural anyway but if his skills maintain like if he's still a good rim finisher and a good defender that's still an NBA player that's still a rotation player for the Pacers next year but he'll be a little worse if the three doesn't stick or if he, if he can't quite finish or off the dribble as well but the three sticks he's still valuable and can fit with other groups but you know you can't trust him with the ball as much or maybe the turnovers pop back up right his turnover rate with Toronto was triple what it was with the Pacers, right? So if, if all of his stats maintained from last year over a full season sample, he's a starter in the NBA. Like that, it's that simple. So we'll have to see what comes from him, but let's talk about his skills. Let's talk about what made him so special 
for the Pacers? What made his timely signing that saved the team? Something that he can springboard into a future with the Pacers and is likely going to. But first, let's take a little break because this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models for vehicles, it is impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need for your car or truck. You have to Go in there and do the annoying questioning with the guy behind the counter who's trying to figure out what kind of car you have, what specs it needs, and then they order the parts because they don't have them, and then they can only choose the stuff their warehouse carries, not even the cheapest stuff necessarily. That's a waste of time. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com. You might even have it in your pocket on your phone. You can save time and money at rockauto.com. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, you name it. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So I was going to start the skill section by like a cute little quote of, what did O'Shea do so well to be such a good and timely player? But that is the backwards way to ask this question because... A more appropriate question, given how he played, and this seems like I'm gassing him up a little too much. Like, he still was just like an average starter level player. But a better question might be, what didn't O'Shea Percet do well after joining the Pacers? Because remember, when he signed a 10-day, there were people who were like, waste of a roster spot. Again, they need to be signing their buyout guy. They need to be leaving that open for trades in the future, whatever. They need to sign a young guy who can grow, blah, blah, blah. There were a million reasons, different reasons to use the roster spot, according to fans at the time and me being one of those people who thought they would use the buyout for a contributor. But O'Shea did everything that he was asked to do. Right, He was asked to come in and play the – remember, Turner was hurt when he signed. They asked O'Shea to come in and play the four, right? They haven't had a power forward in a while uh, when he was in the rotation. And he did a fantastic job of that, right? They put him on some pretty good players at times this season, right? Remember, in that last week of the season – they ended up putting him on like Ben Simmons, Giannis, LeBron, and like OG, I forget who he guarded against the Raptors, but like in a week, right? I asked him about that at the end of the season. It was like a shining moment for him to be that level of defender. And he's not a perfect defender by any means, right? But he's good on ball. He's got the best closeouts on the Pacers already. He's a second year player. Uh, Mark Schindler, Andy Corners, Pod's always talking about his closeouts because they're really good, right? He actually stops short of guys. He's got good feet to recover if he goes too far, like... He's actually good at closeouts in a way that affects the shooter in a way that very few other guys in this Pacers team are. He's very good at them. He's got a nose for the ball in general on defense. He's good. He's got good feet, so he stays in front of guys a lot. Like He's a really solid defender, and that was the biggest thing they needed is that guy who could guard those bigger forwards, right? Because we talked about that all season. That was the thing that I think was the biggest hole in their defense just stylistically with the way Bjorkren wanted to play. They wanted to be aggressive on those bigger forwards, but they couldn't be because they didn't have a guy who could match their strength and speed. O'Shea could kind of do it in a way that they didn't have with other options all season long. So that was his biggest skill that he brought, but that's not something you'd expect the guy you sign out of the G League to a 10-day to do, right? You don't you don't sign O'Shea Brissett to a 10-day in April expecting to have him be guarding that trio of players I named at the end of May, expecting him to be starting or in your rotation all season. Like, he started their last, what is it, 15, 16 games? Like, who, who saw that coming? I mean, it was just a remarkable, remarkable turnaround for him uh, to be doing that. And that was, like, defense was probably going to be the thing he was expected to do the best 
just given his track record with the Raptors and in the G League and stuff. But, like, he played zone at Syracuse, right? Like, the Pacers kind of joked. Players told me they kind of joked with him because he played at Syracuse that he'd fit in great with Bjorker. And, like, oh, you, you should know these zones already, O'Shea. Come on, man. But, like, it, what, him coming in as a defensive guy, that was the, the thing he was expected to do. And he still exceeded that sort of expectation for his defense. So that was really impressive. That was something that was good. And that's something that... I, like uh, beyond any offensive, like just making shots, things or not turning the ball over, whatever role he has offensively could change next year. Just as the centers come back, like a big reason he started so much is there were injuries to Sabonis for a little bit and Turner for a little bit and Goga for a lot of that too. So right, he probably won't start next year, but he'll still play in the rotation. And I'm the most confident in his defense still being as good next year as it was this year. And his off ball defense is is not the best, right? He gets ball watchy and coming from a zone scheme at Syracuse I understand why you get a little ball watchy or back to your man kind of situations but you know he's definitely a good defender and I think that will continue to be a thing he's good at in his career he's only 23 he'll only get better at that uh, and even in a Carlisle system right that could help him a lot as well uh, who knows what kind of assistance will be working with him or what defensive schemes the Pacers will implement but even a more just a more base scheme will help everyone on the team including O'Shea offensively right again the shooting was very surprising as a skill it's the reason he was a, an above-average starter for the last 16 games as a starter is because he hit over 40% of them and could be a reliable off-ball player. That was only 78 attempts, right? So each three counted for over 1%, right? So if he misses two more, basically, he's under 40%. And we're talking about him a lot differently. That's a very small number of attempts. So, it, you know, I'm probably over-harping on this, but, like, it's not, it's. It, I still don't think it's going to stick. I think he's going to be... Just an average three-point shooter, basically. But that was a huge skill for him to even show that as a catch-and-shoot guy, he can do that. He can be a threat. You know, that'll at least give him trust at the beginning of the season next year. Uh, or they could even, you know, be they can be comfortable doing a lot with him, I think, offensively next year. They can use him as a slasher to start place. They can use him as a stick-him-in-the-corner guy. They can be okay with having him elevate up from the corners for, a, like, a movement three right? And he can dribble drive a little bit. He can definitely run in transition. So they can be comfortable using him in a lot of ways going into next year because his shooting is so good. Whereas with a guy like Jakar, you're basically like, okay, you're in the dunker spot or you're a screener the second he's in the game. You're not comfortable using him in a lot of ways. Whereas O'Shea, because he showed he can definitely be a catch and shoot guy, I think next year you could see him used a little more dynamically. Carlisle, I think, will set him up well to succeed as well. In fact, O'Shea could be one of the guys that I think benefits the most from Carlisle instead of Bjorken in general, which is kind of wild because Brissett was, he was only played 40 games in his NBA career. And that's kind of interesting when you think about his skills is like, you could talk, we could talk about what he did for the Pacers last year and then what, what will translate, what won't and stuff like that. But there's a chance that he's just wildly different next year. He could be a lot better. He could be a lot worse. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I have a good feeling based off of watching uh, his G league tape, uh, what we're going to get from him going forward uh, with the mat from the Mad Ants this year as well. But even that's not even, that was only 12 games, right? So who knows? Like he is only 23, right? That, that age, he could still take off or add a skill or just dramatically change as a player very quickly. Like there's a chance next year he's a very improved off the dribble game or he's a very good shooter or he's really improved on team defense, right? And his contract is non-guaranteed. But, like, we're kidding ourselves talking about it like that. Like, he'll be on the Pacers next year. Like, unless he's, in, like, blown away trade offer, like, he'll be on the Pacers next year. And that He didn't have that luxury last offseason. He went back to Toronto, but his deal was only kind of guaranteed, and then he didn't even make the team. Right? He's got, I think, 
a level of comfort about, you know, he can work out in Indy and be with the team and, and, you know, be a part of their off season, you know, training camp and implementations and stuff like that. I think that will, that could help him a lot and he could be wildly better. He could be a little worse, right? It's, it's a volatile age to be at. He's only played in 40 games. That's a small sample size in general, but just skills wise, there's a chance O'Shea is just better. Like at everything next year, he's that young and the Pacers haven't had a guy this young and promising, like in the Pritchard era, I guess Aaron holiday was close after his second year, but he was 24 going into, yeah, he was already 24 because last season started so late going into last year. So a full year older going into his third year than O'Shea is going into his third year. So there's a chance that he's just wildly better. And you saw what happened with Aaron. He got worse. So again, I'm, I'm just talking the optimistic side here. He could come in next year and the three is gone or he's can't dribble as well, or some of the defense goes away, but you know, I think that at his age and given that he showed he can do a lot or he's okay at a lot of stuff, his floor is pretty high. And if he can just continue to grow and get better, he's going to be a valuable guy for the Pacers for a long time because they can they have team options on him. They can make him a restricted free agent. They can have him for several more years. And that's why that's my pivot to talking about his future and sort of what O'Shea Brissett in general as an undrafted free agent means to the Pacers or to team building strategies, right? I did this with the guys last week, uh, the Jalen, the Q, Brian Bowen, Amita Brima show of like, what do they mean? What do they tell us about the Pacers? And because it's the offseason, I kind of want to work that in here with O'Shea. So let's do that. But first, let's talk about the great folks over at betonline.ag who are making the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is back from the all-star break. You can track all the action over at BetOnline. Plus, of course, NBA Finals, UFC, MMA, you name it. They've got it over in their sport page. Just looking at it now, I even see horse racing and golf on there. Tennis, they've got it all on betonline.ag. If you want to get in on the finals action, Bucks favored by five uh, in, in tonight's game. They could close it out and win the NBA championship. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their title runs in the NBA. Head over to the website, betonline.ag, on your mobile device to sign up today. If you create an account, and use the promo code Locked On, all one word. When you do so, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus alongside your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So when I think about O'Shea's future, and I just kind of talked about it at the end of last segment, right? He could, his career could be dictated by by his growth next year, right? If he comes out and he's and he's kind of looking like he's putting up stats like he was with the Raptors. Maybe he only has one more year with the Pacers. But if he continues to grow off last year, maybe he has several more years with the Pacers. And his 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 future is really interesting to think about. And before I get into that, I want to kind of talk about his growth pattern and what it should mean to you when you evaluate players really early in their career, right? So O'Shea did not get drafted. I think that you know that's been kind of harped on with him is you know part of his his journey, and he gets this two way with he's Canadian. He gets this two way with kind of his home ish team in Toronto and that went kind of well uh but not great and then he popped the Mad Ants but not that great and then he couldn't stick with the Raptors because of training camp stuff so you know just bouncing around right the, the classic even the really good undrafted guys can't quite stick and if you watched O'Shea in summer league you'd have thought there was no way this guy is making the NBA right so that's what I was doing earlier today some people were making fun of me and they should have uh, on Twitter, I watched a couple O'Shea Brissett summer league games. There was no summer league last year because of COVID, but two years ago, his before his rookie year, he played in summer league for the Clippers, uh, and he played pretty well in a game against the Pacers. I saw a nice dunk over Alzay Johnson, but in general, was not very good. 
in his first summer league. O'Shea Brissett in five games for the Clippers shot 29.3% from the field, 21.4% from three. Tons of turnovers, was good on the glass, not a good passer. Um, just just struggled to finish and looked like a rookie. And like that's what you expect. But like you, you these undrafted guys and these second rounders, like it just takes them a little longer. That that's the point of them not being a first round pick. But that doesn't mean they're worthless. I think when you watch Summer League, it's not just it's not just like a a, a show or what can we learn about the Pacers first rounder. It's like what guys can show an established skill or, or pop in a moment or anything like that. Cause you know, O'Shea didn't do that much, but he had nice flashes. And I think those flashes are what you need to watch more of in summer league. Cause then you can find your guys like O'Shea Brissett down the line. If you remember De- Devon Akun Purcell of all players uh, from the Pacers summer league team a, th- a few years ago, he ended up getting a two way with OKC because he had some nice flashes on a bad Pacers summer league team, right? That's the kind of stuff you can learn from summer league. And that's the kind of stuff stuff O'Shea showed in summer league by dunking over Alize Johnson and hitting a few threes against the Pacers. So despite overall bad performances, he popped in those moments and that allowed him to get the baseline to grow into the player he is today. So for the Pacers this year, who are probably going to be scouring some undrafted free agents uh, for their summer league team. I mean, they'll have late second rounders too, who are basically the same thing to evaluate with them is like, do they have any flashes, right? Alize Johnson had flashes in summer league in a way that other Pacers who were drafted uh, did not in recent years. So that that's something key to watch. Um, but O'Shea's future, right, I think it's a guarantee he'll be on the team next year. He'll definitely be in training camp. His deal is technically fully non-guaranteed, but the way he played down the stretch of last year, the fact that he's so young and could grow into a better player, it's basically a lock. He'll be on the team. He'll probably be the backup four. His his role is really interesting to me because, you know, that makes sense to me intuitively that their, their, their front court rotation would just be Turner, O'Shea, Sabonis, but then you're really squeezing out like – your wing guard combo stuff with like Sumner and Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb. It's like if you got those three guys, then Aaron Holiday's not playing, or you, you know, you, Doug McDermott wasn't even just said. Like, squeeze it. You're squeezing out rotation minutes already. So I can see how O'Shea might get like very few minutes a game. But also, I can see how if one of the centers gets traded, they could decide to start him, right? He'd be a great fit next to TJ Warren. He'd be an excellent fit next to the starters in general. We saw that down the stretch of the season. So his role next year is kind of dependent on what the roster looks like. But that said, I think because he's the only true four they have, and we talked about free agency at the power forward position on yesterday's podcast, you know, they're not going to sign someone above the MLE. There's just, it's a really bad power forward class. So it's very likely he goes into next season, the best four on the team. It's very likely his deal is guaranteed for the full season, just because why would they cut him if he is the best four on the team? So I think it's it's pretty likely that you'll see O'Shea Brissett in the rotation next season making an impact for the Pacers, whatever that is. If that's growth over last year, if that's slight steps back over a promising 20-game stretch, whatever that is, I think it's likely for at least the start of the season for a, you know 10, 20 games. If, if, if things go terribly, that's all it would be. You'll see O'Shea Brissett in the Pacers rotation, either as the backup or starting four, depending on how the offseason goes. I think that makes sense for him. And then if he's really good next year, remember – that he has the non-guaranteed club option for 2022-23. So what then they could do is decline the team option and then give him a qualifying offer, send him into restricted free agency, guarantee they keep him right. So if he pops, even better, his future with the Pacers is even longer term, right? If the three, That's like if the three sticks and the defense still sticks, then he's still a starting quality player. The Pacers can sign him for a long time. And, you know, a lot of those guys – like the undrafted guys who end up popping in a situation like this, you know, a restricted free agency sucks for them because 
They can't get their full value, but they often are thrilled to re-sign with the team who kind of discovered them and finally gave them a chance. So if O'Shea does great things next year, uh, it's very likely he's with the Pacers for quite a few more seasons. And if things don't go as well, he still has you know a nice solid spot in the rotation to to earn his minutes and, and show how he can grow from age 22 to 23. And I'm really looking forward to seeing his story continue. I mean, he always talks about his daughter and he's so kind-hearted about his family. And I think his journey has been fascinating and it's kind of changed the way I evaluate guys who are struggling because, you know, he didn't, he, his stats aren't, weren't awesome with, with the Mad Ants, but he still looked like the best player. It's just one of those, like, you got to watch him kind of guys. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how his career develops and how, the Pacers can use him going forward because I was just so impressed with him last year and the way he came in in a timely way to tie it all back to the beginning and saved, saved air quotes because they didn't really get anywhere, but saved their dying season. So I'm really looking forward to watching Osei going forward. Let me know if I missed something that you think I should have talked about with him on Twitter at T East NBA or this podcast is at Locked on Pacers. Tomorrow is a fun one. I'm jealous. Me and Adam, uh, behind the scenes at Lockdown Pacers, we draft players for player season recaps. We alternate who has who. Tomorrow's Victor Oladipo, and I really wanted Vic, but Adam picked him way earlier than I was expecting because I wanted to you know, kind of go back on memory lane of his career. But yeah, Adam's going to talk about Vic's time with the Pacers over this past season, kind of rehash the trade, rehash his time with the Pacers. Right, He was a legit superstar for a while there. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Adam takes that show. That's tomorrow. Center's pre-agency preview on Thursday and Karis LeVert on Friday. Uh, and then all draft coverage all the time next week. So a lot of fun content coming up on Lockdown Pacers. We hope you guys will stick with us through it all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you tomorrow.